Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Our sermon text this morning will be in Hebrews 11, verses 23 through 29. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By Moses, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. As we continue in our series of messages in Hebrews chapter 11, of course we entitled the series, Consider Jesus, He is Infinitely Greater. And from this passage today, I'll bring a message entitled, Overcoming by faith. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you, Lord, in song and to sing to you and to one another and singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, to admonish one another, to encourage one another. And Father, we thank you that our hearts have been admonished and encouraged through the, through the singing of, of truth of your word. Lord, as we've sought to pray the truth, the word, Lord, now as we seek to preach the word, we again agree and pray for your power and your your anointing. We thank you for the truth of Hebrews 11 that you've taught us, that without faith it is impossible to please God, but we know the opposite is true, that with faith and by faith it is possible to please you. Lord, we want to thank you today that uh, Lord, we, we know our fake faith is so often weak and our faith, uh, Lord, is often struggles, but I thank you that you even uh, enable us with faith, Lord. And so thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the, uh, the, the, the way you put us in situations, Lord, every day, every moment, really, where we, we uh, cannot live without you and where we cannot live apart from faith. So Lord, Teach us this morning about faith that overcomes through the life and ministry of Moses. May we apply this truth, and Lord, may we obey its principles today as we think about overcoming those obstacles in our lives that are just, uh, Lord, impossible apart from you. So thank you, Lord, and speak to us. And Lord, we pray that those who are unbelievers today who are here and have resisted the gospel, have refused the gospel to this point, uh, Lord, that maybe perhaps they're here this morning thinking that they can do it on their own. And I pray that they will recognize that it is impossible to please, to please you apart from saving faith. 
And God, I pray that you will enable them today to see their need and and to repent of their sin and, and to save them today for your glory. Be honored and glorified in this time and through our response in obedience today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. When I was uh, a young boy, I used to spend a lot of time with my grandparents and uh, would go and uh, work with my grandfather because he lived strongly by the principle from the New Testament. He always said, the Apostle Paul said, if you don't work, you don't eat. And so before we could do any eating, we had to work. And so uh, I remember my granddad often would tell me to do something. He uh, in the garden or what, whatever project it might be we were working on. And I can remember saying, Papa, I can't. In which my grandfather would interrupt immediately. Ah, ah, ah. He'd say, I tore can't out of my book a long time ago. Uh, and so he would, with me, would help me to fulfill the assignment that he'd given to me. Well, you know, we think about that word can't, and we also think about the word impossible. I quoted from uh, 11, Hebrews eleven six, where it says it's impossible to please God. Uh, and we know the Bible also says it's impossible for God to lie. But you know, when it comes to the ability to do something, there's nothing that is impossible for God. In fact, in, in Mark, after the encounter with the rich young ruler and Jesus talking to them about the, uh, how hard it was to be for a, a rich man to enter uh, into the kingdom of God, and they said, then who can be saved? The disciples asked, and Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Let me ask this morning as we begin our looking at this passage and looking at the life of Moses, are you facing something today that seems impossible? You may be facing a situation in your own life, your personal struggle that seems impossible in a, with a family member. Uh, you may quite frankly, look at, 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 at our nation right now and the situation our nation is in, and you say it just seems impossible. Uh, you may have, again, a lost family member, a lost neighbor, and it, you, know, you just say, you look at their situation and say it's impossible. Uh, and so we, we often have those kind of situations, and quite frankly, as believers, even in what God has commissioned us to do, it looks impossible, doesn't it? Aren't you glad we serve a God who is able, able, as Scripture says, to do all things, uh, to do what is impossible with us. And so one of the greatest things that uh, hurdles to overcome and by faith is fear. We fear these things that seem impossible to us. And uh, this passage we're going to look at today in the life of Moses. Moses uh, is a great model, if you will, for overcoming faith, faith that overcomes. He faced some tremendous obstacles, a great, one of the greatest leaders regarded so highly, of course, by the people of God uh, in the Old Testament, Old Testament saints, and we do as well today, the uh, used of God to, to pen the first five books of the Old Testament, leading the people of God in such a wonderful way. Uh, but he faced some tremendous obstacles in his life, even from the time he was born. And so we're going to look at some of those today that apart from uh, the intervention of God and God's giving enabling faith, uh, it would have been impossible. But faith enables uh, uh, us to overcome. So look, if you, if you will, with me at five marks of overcoming faith uh, in Moses. And they're really the, the first part of his life. 
uh, the, the, just the first 80 years or so of Moses' life, we see uh, this part. Not even all through the, the wilderness journey as Moses faced there some very impossible situations. Notice first about Moses in verse 23. Faith overcomes the fear of man by obeying God. Now again, when we look at this verse, verse 23, this first mention of faith is really not Moses' faith, but it's really his parents' faith. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Uh, so again, he was, he was uh, hidden for three months by his parents. They took that little bundle of joy, and many of us learned this story early and, m- and many times through uh, in, in growing up and being taught uh, the Word of God in Sunday school and so forth, and I trust in home but, uh, as well. But this, uh, this beautiful story about how they took that, their bundle of joy, a little, little baby Moses, placed him in a waterproof basket, put him in the Nile River where Pharaoh's daughter bathed, believing that God would protect him from harm. They did this by faith. The Bible says here they did this because they saw the child was beautiful. Now, you might uh, think about that and think, well, did they just put him there because he was a beautiful baby? Well, we know his parents, his grandparents, uh, all babies are beautiful, right? Uh, so, so we, of course, think it's more than merely a physical beauty. That was not, they didn't merely uh, respond to protect him because of his good looks. Stephen, the first martyr, in his message there before his martyrdom in Acts chapter 7, uh, says about Moses in verse 20, At this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. The word beautiful is also translated well-pleasing. And so it certainly seems to indicate here that that what happened was that God uh, revealed in their hearts, demonstrated them and spoke to them and showing to them that God, uh, that he had a very special plan uh, for the life of Moses. And ultimately, of course, we know that plan was to deliver the people of God out of Egypt after having been enslaved for 400 years. And so by faith, they could see this special plan that God had for his life. And so when we think about how God's plan began to unfold, the very spot where they they placed uh, Moses there uh, in the Nile River was the place where Pharaoh's daughter uh, bathed and uh, she discovered him and was uh, about to take him uh, to the home of the very one who had ordered these babies to be thrown into the Nile and devoured by the crocodiles. And uh, she was about to take him home, of course, when his big, big sister Miriam, who was uh, watching out for him in the reeds there, uh, stepped up and said, would you like for me to find someone to nurse the baby, to help care for him, to be his nurse? And she agreed. And so um, Moses' very own mother became the nurse to her own child to care for him. And so, so he was going to be going to Pharaoh's home, but in that time she had with him, of course, she trained him, she taught him uh, the word of God along with his family. And uh, then he went on to be provided for, educated, uh, in, in the, and treated like a prince in the home of Pharaoh's daughter and a grandson, if you will, to the Pharaoh, the very king uh, of Egypt. And, uh, and notice in this passage, it says they were not afraid of the king's edict. 
Uh, perhaps you might look at that and think, well, you know, is, did that, is that not why they hid him in the, in the river? They were afraid the king would, would kill him. Well, again, this, this was the, the edict that they were describing was that command that these babies be thrown into the river just as soon as they're born, the male babies at least, and, uh, and again, drowned and, and, uh, or devoured. And so certainly they feared for Moses' life, but what they, they, they risked their lives to obey God rather than to obey the king, to obey the Pharaoh. And so in that sense of the word, they were, they were putting their faith into the Lord and obeying him and doing what they were doing. And what a wonderful testimony that is and how God ruled and overruled in that. And just a word to us as parents and grandparents about the importance of, of modeling faith. They certainly had opportunity to do that for Moses, Moses' parents, uh, did in this situation, and 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 uh, and while while faith cannot be passed on like hair and eye color to our children, an example of faith never leaves the heart of the child. Many of us could give testimony today about our own parents, and as I mentioned, my grandparents, uh, how what a great influence they had upon uh, upon my life and their example of faith. So again, the Bible says the fear of man is. A snare. And, and we struggle with the fear of man. In this situation, Moses' parents did not succumb to that fear of man. They didn't allow that, that snare, that trap to entangle them, but they obeyed God and overcame that fear of man in their lives. And again, faith overcomes uh, the, the fear of man and whatever fear we may be facing in Christ, in, uh, as Christ followers to enable us as Jenny has described today, to, to leave the comforts of home and go to dangerous places to obey God and advancing the gospel uh, and making disciples. It enables us to go to our next door neighbor and overcome the fear of man to do that. And in and, and many other ways we could describe today. So I ask you today, are you struggling with the fear of man in your life that is keeping you from fulfilling the will of God? I wanna urge you today, to claim by faith God's enabling to overcome whatever fear you may be dealing with to obey God and, and to step out uh, in obedience to him. The second thing we see here in, in this overcoming faith, faith overcomes the world's attractions by choosing the riches of Christ's reproach. Uh, verses 24 to 26, we see this part of, of Moses' faith demonstrated his overcoming faith. Verse 24, when Moses uh, was grown up, he made a decision to reject his identity as an Egyptian, uh, of course, having been adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. We said he, he had all the rights as a, a son, uh, as an heir to the Pharaoh, and humanly speaking, he had everything that, that life could offer, far beyond. Um, and Acts chapter 7, 22 says, uh, And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was a mighty man in his words and deeds. Again, we, we read that he, uh, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So again, he, he was in every way an Egyptian. Uh, he, he looked like an Egyptian. He dressed like an Egyptian. He was educated like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. Some even believe that he could have been in line for, uh, 
for the throne uh, as, as, of, of Pharaoh. And, uh, and yet Moses' godly parents had also trained him. He knew his true identity as a follower of Yahweh. And so he uh, chose to be who he really was. He chose his true identity as a God follower, as a follower of Yahweh. And so by faith, he rejected the world's power, the world's pleasures, uh, to follow God's call to rescue God's people. Look at verse 25. It says, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Again, Moses uh, gave up all the pleasures of being a prince in order to identify and to be mistreated with the people of God. As we know, as you read in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, you know the, the mistreatment that was increasing at this time upon the Hebrew people in slavery. And, and so he chose to identify with them and to suffer with them and to, to be mistreated with them. He did this, uh, and, and of course, many would call him crazy. He didn't have to do this. He could have continued right where he was in the comfort of, of uh, the Egyptian life, the royalty, if you will, and yet he chose to, to, to give that up and, and to choose the reproach for, of Christ we'll see in just a moment. Um, and again, let me just say a word about this. You know, he says that sin here is fleeting. It's, it's passing. Uh, sin, of course, can be uh, pleasurable, can it? And, and, uh, and of course, uh, the Bible doesn't deny that. But then again, not all pleasure is sin either. The Bible uh, tells us that, that God has given us uh, richly all things to enjoy. In fact, Paul told Timothy to charge the rich not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. The most pleasure-filled people in life are the people of God. And, and we're going to enjoy, Psalm 16 says, his pleasures forevermore in his presence. The greatest pleasure is knowing him. Uh, so there is wicked pleasure. There is good pleasure. But for a believer, even good pleasure can be sin when we choose it over God. Paul described the last days when people become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, 2 Timothy 3, 4. And we live in a pleasure-possessed society. People spend most of their time uh, in life uh, seeking pleasure of some kind, entertainment, money, excitement, enjoyment. And again, those things can, uh, even those that may be considered wholesome can become sin for us and do become sin for us when we put them in, uh, over God and we desire them more than we desire God. Uh, it feeds pride. It gratifies the physical appetites. But Moses chose to give up those pleasures of riches, if you will. Again, verse 26, considering the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. The word considered here uh, refers to a belief resting on external proof. So Moses carefully contemplated this. This was not a, a, a quick decision. I mean, he, he really meditated on this. And no doubt that word that had been instilled in his heart, and, and, and he came to that clear conclusion that this was right through this proof that God put in his heart. Cole says that the reproach of Christ is the, is the kind that Christ endured when he was despised 
and rejected by the world. Does this surprise you that you see uh, the writer of Hebrews speaking here about choosing Moses, choosing the, the reproach of Christ, considering the reproach of Christ, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt? You may say, well, now, wait a minute. Uh, Jesus was over a thousand years uh, before he would come, before he'd be born. How is it you can speak about Christ, Moses and Christ here in the Old Testament? Well, of course, I, I remind you that Jesus didn't begin in Bethlehem, right? And uh, we know there are even, of course, we, Old Testament appearances of Christ. Uh, and even though Moses, there was a lot about Jesus that Moses didn't know, a lot about Christ that Moses uh, didn't know. Uh, when we think about the suffering that God's people were going through, who was going with them through that suffering? Well, of course, Christ was. He's always identified with the suffering of his people. When you come over to the book of Acts and, and, and uh, Saul is encountered by Jesus on, uh, on the Damascus road, what did Jesus say? He said, these are, you know, why are you persecuting me? Jesus fully identifies with the suffering of his people. He did in this situation. He continues to do so today. Jesus didn't begin uh, at Bethlehem. But again, as, as, as we see Moses and what he was doing here, he, he was looking beyond the vast earthly riches of Egypt to the riches of Christ. He looked to the eternal reward of Christ, as passage says. Moses saw by faith God's greater plan to bring the Messiah through his people and, uh, of course, to the world for the redemption of our, of our souls and, and the forgiveness of our sin. And so we, even as we know the Bible says, Jesus said of, of Abraham, he saw my day and rejoiced. And then I believe in the real sense here, Moses saw this day as well and was willing, therefore, to bear the reproach of Christ, to suffer uh, for, the, uh, for the reproach of Christ to the glory of God. And so again, in order that he might be a tool that God would use to bring about uh, the deliverance of his people. Faith led Moses to sacrifice. It does the same for us. From the world's uh, point, of, point of view, Moses gave up everything for nothing. But from God's point of view, he gave up nothing for everything. What about you, dear friend? Jesus told the parable in, in Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven, he said, is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And we know in that little parable, he's describing here the treasure of the gospel, the treasure of knowing Jesus. That man, when he realized what he had, he gave up everything in order to go and buy that field so that he could experience that treasure. And that's what happens to every true believer when you recognize who Jesus is by the grace of God and the work of God's spirit and the word of God. And you're brought to the awakening of your need for Christ. And you realize that Jesus, as David Platt says, truly is the treasure that is worth giving everything up for, losing everything for. And then thirdly, in Moses' life, we see faith overcomes powerful opponents by focusing on the invisible God. Look at verse 27. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, if you have the King James or New King James, it says, by faith, Moses forsook Egypt. John MacArthur believes that's, a, that's a, probably the best translation. 
But because we know in Luke 14, 33, Jesus said, so therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's what it is to be a disciple. It's to forsake all and follow Jesus. And that's what Moses did. But again, if the idea here is leaving, we know he left twice, didn't he? He left that after the, uh, after that in, the incident where he, he, he killed uh, a Hebrew who was scuffling with and, and abusing, beating one of the, uh, one of the Hebrews, he, an Egyptian. Did I say that correctly? He killed an Egyptian uh, to protect a, uh, a Hebrew and uh, inter, intervene there. And then he fled Egypt, and of course later he would he would flee he would leave again when he took the people of God out. But uh, but the writer of Hebrew knew that that when when this happened when he this uh, was Egyptian was killed that he fled because of the fear. The Bible says he fled fearing the Pharaoh. So is there a contradiction here? Of course not. There aren't any. We know the writer of Hebrews knew exactly what the Word of God said. But this reminds us much of what we just read about Moses' parents. Did they fear for their baby? Of course they did. But they feared God more. They, they obeyed him and trusted him. And in this situation, we see the same thing. Again, Philip Hughes says, it was not for personal fear of Pharaoh, that the, uh, but for the awareness of his destiny as the deliverer of the covenant people that caused him to take flight. And after, again, believing that God would deliver his people from Egypt, Moses endured the desert uh, uh, in Midian for 40 years until he called him to return. The, the, the 40 years was a time of enduring. You know, you may be in a situation right now where, where you are still in that waiting mode. You're obeying. Waiting doesn't mean being idle, but you, uh, you had an idea that God had something here and, and to, for you to do, and, and you're not there yet. And, and I would just encourage you, just keep being faithful, keep enduring, let God use you where you are, and, 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 and don't think it's too late. You know, this was uh, Moses left at 40 uh, from Egypt the first time. He didn't return until 80. So, hey, hey, you may be turning 80, and you, so don't say, I'm ready to rock on the porch. Say, God, I'm 80 now. What kind of, what do you got for me out here? What's, what's ahead? What, what's a, what project are you going to send me on? His greatest came at 80. And, and so don't, uh, don't give up and don't quit. He endured as seeing him, he says, who is invisible. Again, he endured this long trial and, and all those he would experience until the end of his life by looking to the infallible promises of the invisible God. He was looking to God who is invisible. He was believing God. It's not too late, dear friend. Paul challenged the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What are you focused on today? Are you focusing on what you can see? Don't do that. Focus on the invisible God. Keep your eyes on him. As, as the writer of Hebrews will say when we get there, and has said in Hebrews 12, fixing your eyes on Jesus, looking to Jesus, the author and, and finisher of our faith. 
Then number four, I want you to see that faith overcomes God's judgment by looking to the sacrifice of the lamb. Again, we see in in verse 28, this was obviously after the return. Uh, Verse 28 again, by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Moses, uh, of course, we know as he came uh, back and and, and one by one uh, went through each of the plagues that were were being used ultimately to bring greater hardness to the heart of Pharaoh, but as he continued to demand uh, letting God's people go, God sent these plagues on the Egyptians and Pharaoh kept refusing. And then finally came the 10th and final plague, which was the death of the firstborn. And of course, God told him to protect the Israelites, his children from this plague. The Passover was to be instituted in which the lamb's blood was sprinkled on the doorpost and lentils of their houses. And by this fact, uh, by this act, their firstborn uh, child was protected, was spared from the, the destroyer who would have j- destroyed them and would, because it was an act of judgment. And, was, and for them to do this, Moses leading the way, but they each of them as well, this was an act of faith that God would do what he said he would do and that God would deliver them And Moses instituted the Passover, and and then it was to be continued uh, to be observed and and to be be a reminder. And and Moses instituted the Passover, and and, and he was trusting the blood of the Lamb to avoid this judgment that did come upon the Egyptians. And so again, the same is true of us today. We know that, that Passover Lamb was a picture of the Lamb of God. John the Baptist uh, said as he began his ministry, behold, as he saw the Lord Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lord Jesus is our Passover Lamb and he uh, became our sinless substitute. Our sin, the Bible says, was placed on him. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And by faith, we look to Jesus in repentance and faith and and, and his finished work and what he's accomplished for us at at the cross and at the empty tomb. You know, people in this day could have considered that, the the Israelites, they could have said, you know, uh, that just, that's illogical. The idea of killing a perfectly innocent little lamb and and placing its blood around the the doorposts and the lentils, that's ridiculous. That's, that's, That's not logical. That's just man's idea. They could have rejected that and therefore they would have experienced the judgment that was meant for the Egyptians. Had they rejected that provision that God had made, they could have said, well, you know, I I do believe what God said. I I believe, sure, I believe that that, that that's what God said. I I believe that the blood uh, would be sufficient and I believe that God would do what he said he'd do, but but then they, they still could have not acted on it. They could have ignored and, and refused to place the blood or just never got around to it. Uh, and, and so therefore they too would have experienced the, the judgment that again was meant for those Egyptians. Uh, and dear friend, the same is true with the, with the blood of Christ. You can argue that, that God is a God of love, that, that God wouldn't do anything like that, that, that God wouldn't send anyone to hell, that, 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 that God is, a, is not a God of judgment. He's a God of love. And, and I prefer the God of the New Testament rather than the God of the Old Testament, as some will say. 
Some would say, well, you know, I, I was brought up in a, in a, in a Christian home and, and, and my parents and were, were very religious people. And as we often hear today, and quite frankly, Hunter and Larry and I heard a, a young woman this morning we were deal, deal with, dealing with say, I'm a spiritual person. And many in our world will make those kinds of comments in response to the gospel. But dear friend, again, you can know all these things. You can have experienced these things. You could have gone through a, the, a baptistry at some point in your life. But if you have not applied the blood, if the blood of Jesus has not been applied to you so that you've been cleansed of your sin through repentance and faith in Christ and him alone, surrendering your life to him as Lord, then you can die in your sin or you will die in your sin if, you do, if the blood of Christ is not applied to your life upon your repentance and faith. And I would ask you today, as we sing in the song, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you been to Jesus today for the cleansing flood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? If you cannot say yes today, then we plead with you that you would hear the voice of God today and you would repent of your sin and place your faith and trust in Christ. But then fifth and finally, I want you to see that faith overcomes impossible obstacles by trusting in God's mighty power. Verse 29 says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. As you know the story, or, or at least perhaps you've seen the Ten Commandments, you know that finally Pharaoh did say, okay, and he allowed the people to leave. But then right away, was at, even after the death of the firstborn, then he was, uh, regretted his decision, and the army of Egypt began to pursue them as they were on their way out of, of each of the people of God, the children of, of Israel. And there they were uh, with the army uh, behind them and the Red Sea in front of them, and the people became afraid and they began to panic and complain and doubt and blame and say, were there not graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? And yet Moses, God's leader of his people, spoke words of faith to them, which oftentimes, by the way, we need to speak to one another because we all do face those times when our faith is struggling and our faith is weak and, and we thank God that God puts one another in our lives so that we can speak truth into one another's hearts. And so Moses spoke to them and said, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. Fear not, he said, and see the salvation of the Lord. And Moses, of course, uh, was told by God to lift his staff and stretch out his hand over the sea to divide it. He obeyed, and that's exactly what happened. The impossible took place. What only could be done by God. And the people of God walked across uh, the riverbed with a wall on either side of them, keep, kicking up dust as they crossed over to the other side. God, God delivered them miraculously, and he overcame the impossible on their behalf. And of course, the, the, uh, the people of, of Egypt, as they were pursuing them, they, they, they trusting in their own power were destroyed by the same uh, waters through which God had just delivered his people. Faith overcomes 
impossible obstacles as we trust in God's mighty power. Again, I ask you to begin with, and I'll ask you again this morning, what are you facing today? What are you up against? Are you up against a Red Sea? Are you up against an impossible situation unless God comes through? Dear friend, God specializes, as the song says, in things that people consider to be impossible. Again, I want to remind you, Moses didn't part the Red Sea. God did. You're looking at an impossible situation that is impossible for you, but it is not impossible with God. And I also remind you of what I shared with you from Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 9 rather, as Jesus was dealing with that rich young ruler. People, everyone thought, oh, the rich people, they, uh, they go to heaven for sure. That's an indication of God's blessing. But this man rejected the Lord Jesus. He was unwilling to give up. He was unwilling to forsake his riches and follow Christ. And Jesus said, it's, it's, it's impossible. It is impossible for us to be saved apart from God. Uh, we can't save ourselves. We cannot do it. You cannot, dear friend. But Jesus has made it possible by his precious blood that as we repent of our sin and place our faith and trust in Christ and him alone, we can be and will be saved. Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus? Again, whatever that difficult situation, that, that impossible situation is in your life, by faith, uh, you can overcome and you can be victorious in whatever way. God, uh, God's, that doesn't mean that we're, we're going to see later in Hebrews 11, very soon, uh, that there's some folks that uh, they were not delivered out of those situations. God took them through it. And, and the wonderful thing about believers is we're, we're overcomers either way. Amen? And I want to remind you of that wonderful truth. In fact, let me tell you the story about John Patton. He was getting ready to, uh, to go to Scotland to take the gospel to the cannibals of the New Hebrides Islands. An elderly friend, along with others, kept trying to convince him that he was making a big mistake. And he just kept saying to him, this, this, this older friend, he kept saying to him, you will be eaten by cannibals. The cannibals! You will be eaten by the cannibals. Finally, John Patton replied to him, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is to soon be laid in the grave there to be eaten by worms. If I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. And brothers and sisters, we are overcomers. Amen. We, as I remember hearing the good news that, that uh, when Dr. Adrian Rogers was diagnosed with cancer, he, his response was, I'm a winner either way. If God chooses to heal me, I'm a winner. If God chooses to take me home, I'm a winner. We are overcomers. And so I want to urge you today, let's join Patton and Moses as people of overcoming faith who endure by seeing the unseen God. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. 
You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.